Hi, and welcome to the After Animals podcast. After Animals uncovers trends and stories at the cutting edge of the global post-animal movement. What does a future look like in which food, fashion, and entertainment no longer have to exploit animals to be successful? Each episode, we will share with you a remarkable and inspiring story about someone who is forging a more compassionate future for us all. After Animals is co-produced and hosted by me, Sharanya Krishnaprasad, and me, Yulara Nakagawa. Sharanya, with the ongoing global pandemic, we are seeing continued difficulties and challenges being faced by the food industry, workers, people, and unfortunately, livestock are all being tossed into this mess of changing tides and a broken food system. And it is unfortunate and oftentimes devastating, isn't it? Yeah, and on the one hand, we should be celebrating the fact that meat consumption has gone down drastically during this COVID crisis. But it's just like you said, the broken food system has exposed that these animals are now being killed by the thousands because they've essentially become worthless, in air quotes. Yeah. Well, hopefully this episode can provide a lighter break from everything that's happening around us because our interviewee, Yuki Hanyu, is quite a character and takes us to some pretty out-of-the-world places in our chat. Uh, And also, you know, ultimately, while his interview is quirky and fun to listen to, he and his team over at Integriculture, as well as Shoji Meat, are really working on some true scalable solutions to some of the very problems that we're seeing being exposed with the broken food system and the pandemic. So Yuki told me in this conversation that when he started off the Shoji Meat project in Tokyo, He basically went to a place where scientist friends were gathered and started asking people, hey, is there anyone good at cell culture because I want to create meat and I want to do it on Mars. Mm -hmm. And I won't divulge or give away too much of this dream that he goes into in more detail in the actual interview. And it's just definitely better to hear it from Yuki's voice. But that is, that is a dream of his. And it was funny because, as many people know, on May 30th of, of this year, the SpaceX Dragon 2 was successfully launched into orbit. And astronauts Bob and Doug crewed the mission, making it the first launch to the International Space Station from the U.S. since 2011. I watched it, and I was actually thinking oh, we're one step closer to Yuki's dream coming true. And so as wild as this may sound to people new to the topic, making cultured meat or cell-based meat in space is a big topic in the future food space. It's actually not as far-fetched or as sci-fi as it may sound at first. It is actually something that many scientists and many food entrepreneurs and others who are ahead of the curve, so to speak, are looking into for good reason. And I know, Sharanya, that you've done quite a bit of research into why and the benefits of this movement. Tell us, why does it make sense to make meat in space? (laughs) Yeah. 
So when I was looking into this, obviously I'm very interested in the details behind the technology <laughs> and the reasons for why they're doing things the way that they're doing. And when I was looking into meat in space, there's a couple of reasons for it. And first of all, right now, we are, humans are limited by the fact that we have to constantly transport food from Earth to space to be able to sustain the astronauts that are on missions. And so if we're able to actually produce food in space, then that will allow us to plan for longer term missions than we ever have in the past. So it sort of opens up that limitation that's, mm. that's been there all along. Also, as part of that, you know, we've talked about this before on the show, but colonization on Mars and, you know, being able to grow meat in outer space without having to ship the expensive, you know, meat as it is from Earth. So, for example, with beef and things like that, it would take just in terms of resources to be able to grow a cow in space, mm -hmm. <laughs> to grow a pound of beef in space as part of the whole animal just takes so much more water, which we don't have in space. And then just the energy involved, the food that you would have to feed the animal and other things like that. Whereas, and this is true for all cell-based companies, but the whole concept behind it is that we reduce drastically the amount of resources that it takes to produce the same amount of mm -hmm. meat. And this would be really advantageous in space when already resources are so limited and we don't have the luxury of being able to ship water from here into space. Also, Aleph Farms, which is the company that did it last year, it was in October of last year, they were creating 3D bioprinted meat at the International Space Station. <laughs> and so they've done it and they've proven the concept. So now I think it's just a matter of trying to be able to scale that up. So it's very, in our, in our very recent past that they've been able to even prove that this has been possible. Mm -hmm. And now that we know the possibility exists, then that again opens it up so much more to what we can do in the future. Totally. And another way for people to be able to sort of understand the logistical challenges that we would face in a colonization situation and being able to produce necessary necessary proteins for human civilizations into the future on other planets such as Mars is was highlighted recently in a in a cool article that I found where they interviewed members of the team over at Finless Foods which is creating cell cultured seafood and they basically highlighted that if colonization is going to be possible in space we would obviously need to be self-sustainable and grow food on site now, the average tuna fish weighs 20 pounds, costing about $200,000 to send a tuna to space. And it's problematic to have a fish tank in space where there is little to no water and also gravity. So I really like that visual, right? Because yeah. it illuminates that there will be much more challenges in space to produce food in the ways that we have grown used to here on Earth, where it's still, you know, we're re-examining the way that we produce food and really seeing system failures and trying to mitigate that with the same technology. So now imagine being able to just send a few cells of many varieties of chicken, beef, fish, or your choice of protein, along with the equipment and nutrients to grow the cells right there. So I think that was a great 
little example that people can really relate to in terms of understanding why this is such a truly feasible and opportunistic technology to bring out there when we're looking into making it livable in these new horizons. Okay, so back to Yuki. I interviewed Yuki at the Cultured Meat Symposium in San Francisco late last year. This year, the Cultured Meat Symposium, by the way, will be happening virtually, but it's so great that they will be continuing to do it. They will be talking about making cell-based meat in space, and Sharanya, you and I will also be participating in that conference. Stay tuned for more details. You can learn more about the Cultured Meat Symposium 2020 at 2020.cmsymp.com. So yes, back to Yuki and Integriculture and Shoji Meats. Since we spoke to him at the conference, some really cool and exciting updates have come out for him and again his teams. In particular, Integriculture raised a 7.4 million US Series A round that will help them advance their mission of democratizing cell egg and build a production facility to make slaughter-free foie gras come to market by 2021. And he gets more into that mm. part in the interview as well, which is very interesting. And then the other update that I saw pop up is that Integriculture recently announced a partnership with Shiok Meats, and they will be collaborating to scale up Shiok Meats production of cell-based shrimp. And as you know, we interviewed Sandhya, the CEO of Shiok Meats in an earlier episode, and it was fantastic. That was really cool to see. And what Shiok Meats is going to be using is Integriculture's new Colnet system, which was launched a little bit earlier this year. And it's basically a biotechnology platform on which you're gonna be able to culture any type of animal cell. It will be used, I'm assuming, to make alt meat, but eventually anything that you would derive from, a, from an animal cell. So you could do potentially leather or other sorts of materials for the medical and skincare and beauty industries. So in the interview, wow. yeah, Yuki mentions that Integriculture is working on a collagen substitute. Mm. No, it's not a substitute, is it? It's a collagen replicate that it mm -hmm. without the animal needed. So I'm imagining things like gelatin, you know, leather, anything else that you would need to derive from an actual animal, you could just essentially make on this platform. And what's really interesting is that the Colnet system, it feels like it's creating a standardized process and a platform and a tool for all and everyone who really wants to scale up their cell-cultured, cell-based production of many of these types of foods and materials. And in a way, and I don't want to over-speculate, but it kind of harkens back to the premise of Shoji Meat, which was really to open source information and be really open and collaborative in a way that would empower the globe really to help build up and further this really important technology. So I was super stoked to see this news and it's really nice to see that since we spoke to Yuki last year, so much happening, you know, at this accelerated rate. And it's just super promising, which is why, again, I think despite these really challenging times that we're continuing to all go through, I really hope that this interview can provide some optimism and hope. And as you'll see, Yuki's just like, 
a really interesting. I was going to say, <laughs> I remember listening to some of his talks and he was just a very quirky individual that brings a completely different point of view to this space. So it was very refreshing in that aspect. Oh yeah. If you listen to this interview, it's a, it's a very scientific and sound and forward thinking futurist interview. And he is a, like a genius, but I, I dare you not to laugh. If you have a sense of humor and you listen to this entire interview and you don't chuckle to yourself at least once, then I don't know, I'll give you like $10 or something. <laughs> yeah, just email us. Okay, so one more thing that I want to mention to you before we jump into the episode, which now I'm sure you're eagerly wanting to do so, is that Adam Yee, who is the host and creator of the My Food Job Rocks podcast, was kind enough to allow us to use his recording studio at CMS when we recorded this interview with Yuki. And Adam is also an awesome food focused person, let's call it. He just does so much. He doesn't just have the podcast. He's, he's very much immersed in various projects that are related to the space. So I encourage listeners to go and check out his podcast as well. It's called My Food Job Rocks. His website is myfoodjobrocks.com. And a couple of his recent episodes that I really enjoyed were the one where he talks about plant-based food innovation in India as well as his episode on the evolution of American tofu from an ancient dish to plant-based meat. Yes, and we will also include the links to these websites in the show notes so that listeners will be able to access them from there. Yes, perfect. All right, let's dive in. Today, I am so, so stoked to be sitting down with Yuki Hanyu, founder of the Shojin Meat Project and co-founder and CEO of Integriculture Inc., the Shojin Meat Project is a nonprofit group that is helping people in Japan learn more about cultured meat and grow their own at home. Meanwhile, Integriculture Inc. is a cellular agriculture and clean meat startup based in Tokyo, which aims to reform the modern food system. So as you can see, Yuki is truly a pioneer and leader in this space and is actively paving the way forward for finding ways to make it practical to mass produce cultured meat. There's just so much for us to talk about, and Yuki is a busy guy, so let's get started. Tell me, Yuki, how did you get started in this field? I know it started at the age of eight. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because uh, the idea has always been around in science fiction, like movies and manga and anime and all those things, and I naturally grew up with them, well, some of them like Doraemon or stuff like that. I was generally interested in sci-fi and actually doing sci-fi as well, so that's the reason why I got into science and more into applied science. I started my like, working career as a like, battery scientist, battery materials, mm. after getting my PhD in surface science. Like, my background is chemistry, more toward organic and biological. Then at one point in 2014, I thought about, so what sci-fi should I do? Then I thought about spaceships or Mars colony or Mars drivers and those things, but then I landed on cultured meat. And if for listeners, Doraemon is a popular cartoon character in Japan who is a blue cat who had his ears chewed off by mice, right? <laughs> yeah, has well, like mice a, robots. Yes, no. mice robots. And then he has a special pocket mm. that he draws many magical Future gadgets. Future gadgets mm. out of. My favorite is the door. 
the door mm. de Modoro, anywhere door <laughs> which is like lets him go anywhere in the world through walking through this door it's a, it's a great cartoon if you get a chance to check it out online okay and then so you ended up you did you do your study on the chemical studies in oxford is yeah. that okay mm. okay and then what were you thinking at that time so I was thinking of so what's the so so if I'm to do something mm -hmm. so what will be the way to sci-fi? Then I thought about some mid 21st century scenery of like green hills with lots of solar panels and like wind turbines and those things. Then I thought about well probably energy is the the way. So I could have gone to like solar battery fuel cells or like the secondary batteries, and I landed on like uh, lithium-ion batteries. Mm -hmm. And I was working on like organic cathode materials. And then, why the shift to, to meat <laughs> from uh, the batteries? Yeah, because so I started working on like battery materials in Tohoku University, and there I was like also learning a bit about like management of technology, technology, and also some systems engineering. Then what I sort of noticed is that the technology to make sci-fi is actually not biotechnology or computer science or AI and it's actually the systems engineering and from that point I started thinking about uh, science fiction from the point of view of systems engineering mm -hmm. then obviously battery infrastructure is one of the applications mm -hmm. and I thought so is cultured meat oh and yeah. do you remember how you first heard about cultured meat how did that enter your mind had you read an article or heard about it from a friend like well the thing is because it appears so everywhere in this, the works of fictions, I cannot tell which exact one. Oh, you just knew because of the yeah. sci-fi that you yeah, had been reading. Yeah, from the age of five or eight or somewhere around there. Oh, it was always there present in the back yeah, of your mind. Yeah, like spaceship. Like every every kid know about what sp spaceship is, but if they if you ask where did you know about spaceship, right. they can't tell because it's so everywhere. But spaceships are real, whereas cultured hmm. meat wasn't real, well, right? Spaceships that can travel between the Mars and Earth in one week, or even interstellar ones, yeah. probably not. I see what yeah. you mean. But you, you, you must have known around this time that it was possible, right? Cultured meat was becoming possible. Because uh, uh, I think it was like two years after Mark Post created his that you really... Actually, I thought about cultured meat independent of what Mar Mark Post was thinking, uh, was doing. Because I thought about it during like 2014 in February, and I did a quick search and then found Mark Post. Oh, so wow. So that was only like half, um, I think a bit more than half a year after Mark Post demonstration. If you look at the history more carefully, even Professor Mark Post is not the first. It has been done, done before, so the idea has always been around. Mm, I see. What do you think is making it really accelerate now, this whole new wave? Why now is the future becoming a reality? I think it's obviously the questions are very multifaceted. Yeah. Um, I think one of the uh, reasons is the rise of Chinese economy and the general, uh, I don't know if it's the right word, but the general stress on the like food economy at the moment. Yeah, right. And so there was this like rise of plant-based meats uh, starting from like mid-2000s. To address the issue. To, to address which the is issue. And people are now, uh, the people, especially the, like, at least investors got aware of, uh, aware of this. And a lot of it has to do with the exploding population growth. Um, um, and it's, then actu the it's actually not the population growth because, like, population could grow to, like, 10 billion, but that's, like, plus 20, 30%. It's yeah. actually not that huge. It's more of, a, like, economic development, which can easily triple, a tri like, triple or even quadruple the protein consumption. And we've seen that in China, but India and Africa, it's still yet to come. 
Yeah, and that's what's really taxing on the environment. I mean, climate change is the big Climate problem. change is another, yeah. Yeah, and that's tied into the mission, right? Of yeah. Uh, both Integriculture and Shoji Meat. The thing is, when Shoji Meat project was launched, there was the environmental thing, there was like social responsibility, that kind of grown-up stuff was out, completely out of the picture. <laughs> it was <laughs> all right? started with like science fiction because it looks funny and... <laughs> and Actually, so th these things appear in science fiction, but the reason why it appears in science fiction or why people think it's cool is I think there's a general feeling that humanity needs that technology. So that's why it appears in science fiction. So the first primary motivation is because it appears in science fiction actually carries a lot of meanings behind, I think. What, what, what do you mean by humanity needs technology and innovation? Uh, humanity needs this particular technology and therefore it appears in science fiction. So you and think one of them is cultured meat. So you think, like, because we know even, we talk about how Winston Churchill may have mm. been hinting at this, or Einstein. Mm. So are you saying that these futurists already predicted the need for it? Not necessarily the need for, uh, for that, but I think at, potential? Th at that time, yeah, potential need, or they probably they thought it's, it will be cool or more logical. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, mm. thanks for sharing that. I got a little yeah. off track here because I got too excited <laughs> <laughs> about the origins. Okay, so, but then you had a stint at uh, Toshiba. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, for, <laughs> to learn about systems engineering. Oh, so that was the connection when you decided to go to systems engineering. And then, yeah. can you please share exactly how Shoji Meet actually started? I know you were working in a lab some kind of like laboratory in Tokyo, right? And you met some people and then it really started to grow. Is that how it started? It was more, more of a like gathering place. Okay. Then I basically pitched the idea of, so who, is there anyone who's good at cell culture? Yeah. <laughs> because I want to create meat and do that on <laughs> Mars. Okay. And we got some people interested in <laughs> and um, at the same time as I was also doing that in like doing all sorts of different things to gather attention including the VR video or graphics or using any means. <laughs> Why were you trying to get attention? Uh, well, because at that time, like, there was no substantial effort being made to actually make cultured meat because mm -hmm. it, it was the times before me Memphis meets. Basically, I needed some like, people together who were looking at the same thing. And so what types of people first joined on when you said, I want to make cultured meat in Mars? I mean, what were the types of Japanese people that were like, yes? Yeah, students. <laughs> oh, students, yeah. like science students? Uh, science students. I, and are yeah. they still a part of the group? Uh, yeah, and one of them is now the co-founder of Integrity Culture Company. Oh, lovely, that's mm. And what is uh, his, his name? He's here, yeah, right? Yeah, Dr. Ikko. Okay, great, yeah. And so I know between Integriculture and Shojin Meat, how do you balance your time? Because you're leading both of them, right? Uh, I'm not leading Shoji Meat Project because although I'm the founder, it's basically leaderless. It's like a hive mind organization, if you call that an organization. Yeah, okay. And it's a hobbyist club after all. And a lot of the things I do, it's basically something for Shoji Meat Project is also for the Integrity Culture Company. So there's, um, to be honest, a lot of like overlap. Which is great mm, yeah. for you. And how many members are there now in Shojin Meat Project? I don't know because it doesn't have any formal sh definition of membership. Okay. Would mm. it be like maybe hundreds? Uh, at least on Slack group, uh, Shojin Meat Japan is like 150 something and Shojin Meat English channel is 250. And act actually active members, I think somewhere between 20 and 30. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. And these are all people that are learning about cultured meat and advancing it 
in the comfort of their own homes or laboratories, all kinds of places? Well, all kinds of places, and not necessarily like from, from laboratory, but some of them are like manga artists and, and they're drawing manga based on the concept, and some are uh, like, like scientists, some mm -hmm. are more like humanities students. Okay, hmm. wonderful. And this has been, when, when exactly was it founded again? 2015-ish? Uh, no, 2014. Oh, 14. Fe February. Okay, so it's really taken off. Are there other similar groups like that out there, as far as uh, you know? Or is it in a way, like, I think Modern Agriculture Foundation from Israel is, like, also, they've also spun off super meat. Ah, and they've also okay. been active, and New Harvest is all similar. It's just a... I think it's just one of those like non-profit non-profits. It's just taking different approaches from like GFI or New Harvest. Is it similar to like the emergence of modern tech, where you know we, there was a lot of open sourcing, a lot of collaboration, like in the early days of say the internet? Yeah, I think it's following exactly that that path. Oh, so great. it happened with the internet and the information technology. Now we follow with the follow the maker movement, and now we have DIY bio the biohacking. So yeah. Now. This we found quite interesting. You have set a goal, or the media has reported that you've set a goal of selling cultured foie gras to restaurants by 2021, hmm. and then putting it on the consumer market by 2023. Why, why foie gras? Uh, yeah, because uh, technologically it's easier, easier to make, because we, we don't have to worry too much about the texture and building of tissue and fibers. And also the unit price is high, so that makes more business sense. And you're also working on a Wagyu beef, is that right? The thing is, it's just because the way the Cownet system, the large-scale cell culture system by Integrity Culture Company, mm -hmm. uh, how it works, it's actually cell species blind, so it can do any cells. So okay. we just do from the ones that are technologically accessible and makes more business sense. Every day at Integriculture, what mm. is your main focus right now? Like, what is the main initiative that people are coming and are mandated to be focused on? In Integriculture company has got like two projects running at the moment, and one is the launching of anti-aging beauty products made from the cultured cells, and the other, slightly longer term, which is the cell-based foie gras. Ah, I see. Okay, perfect. Thank you for clarifying mm. that. Now, from what I saw. It seems that you, we're making great progress in terms of cost reduction and accessibility, mm. right? In terms of the texture and the taste, what do you think is going to lead to a breakthrough there? Because those are the bigger challenges, right? Mm. Well, flavor can be edited in any way. So I, I don't think there's that much problem there. Texture, even texture is like, so you could always mix with plant-based uh, meat, which already has got a pretty good texture. So it becomes a more of a question of, so what exactly are you trying to make? If it's uh, like full-grown steak, that's the hard, hard stuff. And if you're talking about hamburger, well, I think more or less the problem is already solved. I and see. I sometimes even think, is there much point to using cell-based meat for hamburgers? Because plant-based hamburgers are already like, so good. good. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite one available in Japan right now? Plant-based? Yeah. That will be the traditional Buddhist shojin ryori, which has been around for more than a thousand years. And there's oh. like, already massive culinary cultures around. Lovely, yeah. yeah. And that's sort of the reasons why like Chinese or Japanese people are not that willing to buy like, Amer made in America frozen burgers. Yeah, okay. Great, thank you. In terms of shojin meat, I believe that you spoke about some of it. It was very mm. fascinating how you've been able to engage and inform the Japanese public about mm. cultured meat and its benefits in unique ways. So from my own animal advocacy work that I mm. do in Japan, mm. I know one of the toughest things is 
the cultural shift, right? Mm. And so are you able to share some of the unique ways that you've been able to be successful and maybe even unsuccessful using certain cultural mediums? Like mm. you talked a little bit about the manga mm. or like, please help me understand a little yeah. bit more. Like we created a little elephant character, kawaii elephant character <laughs> and some mangas, yeah. but it's like you've had more success. Yeah, the answer is pretty quite simple. Don't push an agenda because what we do is we just uh, show the possibilities like DIYing a like electric rat pet or even like making a like, bee fish hybrid or even doing it at home other kind of things so we're basically showing all the possibilities of what can be done and also it so, sorts of makes people think or I, uh, rather than think it's more of like catalyzes imagination and I think that's where especially the young people get more excited and what they really enjoy doing is go wild with their imagination and what Shoji Meet Project shows is basically catalyzing that. I see, so tapping into imagination yeah. and possibility. That's so yeah. cool, I love mm. that. Whereas pushing an agenda is basically uh, narrowing down that imagination to that's one goal. People don't enjoy that. So uh, that's, and that's what a lot of advocates face the challenge in, yeah. I think in Japan in particular. I think when it comes to ad advocacy and that kind of thing, it's, it also depends on if there's a like, sort of like cultural background in that particular culture. You were mentioning something yesterday, so I was mm. talking to someone, but about approaching both vegan and anti-vegan groups. Do you mind yeah. sharing that story? Uh, yeah, so there was this demonstration by vegans uh, about this animal welfare, anti-meat, uh, uh, anti-factory farming demonstration mm -hmm. in Tokyo. And because veganism is so associated, people associate with like ar arrogance in Japan, that there was this like also a counter reaction, uh, counter action against that vegan rally about like, how meat is tasty or, or don't push your agenda to others or whatever, so whatever, and basically anti-vegan rally. And that happened a number of times before, but this time we thought about, okay, what if we start sell our DIY cultured meat manual in that, in that <laughs> class? It could get the whole argument in an entirely different direction. And we did that, and that did actually happen. And people on online are now saying, wow, that's like third, uh, like, what is it? third power or <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is actually the way, the way to go or another saying like so they just stop fighting and just go, go to the lab <laughs> work on this. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. It kind of plays into the same realm of imagination and possibility. Yeah. It's like throwing in a, a new rent or a new surprise, right? Yeah. The surprise and delight factor. Mm. I love that. That's so. That's making me think. What can I do in advocacy? You know, mm. bring in some new, entirely new thing. Yeah. And shake it, shake it up. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing. In, well, this is more particularly in Japan, but advocacy in general just doesn't work in Japan. So yeah. <laughs> And, so and that's, do you know why that is? Like, in uh, your opinion? In my opinion, uh, well, I think it's because uh, I, I, I think because it's, it's partially to do with the way it's being carried out because a lot of the advocacy groups in Japan, let it be like environmental, let it be animal welfare or so ever, it's a lot of their like art, art, style is based on what's done in the West and people associate that sort of Western style advocacy with some sort of belligerence and arrogance and not peaceful or whatever and they just don't like it. <laughs> Okay, okay, that's good to know. 
And then you mentioned yesterday that you were going into high schools and elementary hmm. schools even, or junior, junior high schools, to work with students to help them culture meat. And you said the youngest person was how old? Ten. A ten-year-old yeah. made fish, right? Yeah. Uh, cultured fish. Yeah, cultured fish sales. Not how that fish meat and not as big as that, but fish sale culture. How are you getting into the school systems? Uh, well, we didn't. We were just invited. You were invited uh, by like yeah. a science teacher or by a science teacher. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. And how did that go? Like, uh, so there was already an existing non-profit doing some like uh, visiting uh, visiting schools and doing some classes on like novel things. And they first contacted us. I mean, the Shoujin Meat Project, and they mm, they came up with the idea of doing a class on cell-based meat like practical, practical, practical class in high school. Mm -hmm. So they basically bridged the bridged social media project and the school. That's cool. Do you yeah. plan to do more of those kind of things? Uh, well, if there's, uh, if there's the people, if there's like someone who wants to do that, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> yeah, but um, the thing is, when it comes to, if it some, becomes official with the school, then a lot of like, paperwork and that kind of things and the Meat project is not designed to do that kind of thing okay. so what what it keeps on doing is basically just put out everything on the Nico Nico video or YouTube or whatever like video sharing platform or DIY manual and approach well not even approaching but letting individual high school students or middle school kids to do it at home do it or at outside home. of the structure of the school system yeah. so keep it DIY grassroots and like yeah. independent that's yeah. wonderful. That's a yeah. I think yeah. that's a better approach. I remembered how Japanese institutions work. So, yeah. I've got two more questions. I know you need to get going soon. So, so in the U.S., we yeah. we're still looking at probably a minimum of two to three years to get mm. cultured, cultivated meat, mm. cell-based meat regulated mm. to be able to be produced and consumed by the public. It's already totally legal in Japan, right? Uh, it's not for consumption? Not totally, uh, not totally, because there are some conditions to be met, such as okay. pass-up regulations, and also you cannot use growth factors, and also uh, you can't do gene edits. I see. Yeah. But it, there is a difference, right? Like, what is the difference? Because I think you had talked about it a little bit yesterday, where oh. it is different, like the regulatory, regulatory aspects uh, right now. Slightly different, but it's just the amount of, uh, even in the U.S., it's, it's it's okay to market, but it's just risky because it could be pulled off the market at any moment without the regulations. What's the timeline you see for it getting to market in Japan, in, in your opinion? Uh, so it will be decided by the, if the technology is ready. And at the moment, the, the plans by Integrity Culture puts the, date, the launch date on 2021. Do you think Japanese people will embrace it? Uh, well, people is like which segment? I don't know. <laughs> well, old people, well, they probably and they won't ex accept cultured meat until they actually die. But um, but the younger younger people are different. Okay, so you think they're more open? Because I know in uh. Asia, like I looked up some stats and uh. say, for instance, well, in the U.S., people they're only twenty nine point eight percent of people are very likely or extremely likely to try this uh, technology. In China, it's fifty nine. Point three percent, and in India, forty-eight point seven percent. The thing is, those those like surveys has been done over and over because it's one of the easiest things to do. But from my point of view, they're all pretty much meaningless because it's basically talking about things that doesn't exist on the market yet, mm -hmm. and it's so prone to how you ask the questions, and also what you s what people say and what they actually buy is entirely different as always. 
That's a great point. Well, look mm. what happened with Trump in America. The yeah. polls showed something yeah. entirely different, right? Yeah. So, and also, I know Japan is historically so difficult to enter. Like Burger King tried and failed to enter the Japanese market. Oh, so, Burger King? Yeah, like I think they gave it at least two major pushes and mm. failed and had to retreat. Mm. So you you know Japan is unique. So we probably won't even know until it happens, like you say, right? Well, Burger King. Perhaps failed, but McDonald's succeeded. So, yeah. the, the, I think it's just out of quite close to pure luck, maybe even. Google on, too. On marketing. Google took a long time because Yahoo had such a stronghold in well, Japan. Well, Yahoo is also like American, like Silicon Valley. Yeah, but I just <laughs> I was so surprised when I lived in Japan. Everyone was still using Yahoo, mm. whereas over here they were all using Google as their mm. search engine. And right? if you go to China, everyone's using Baidu. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you just don't know. It's a global thing. Oh, I have one more. This is important. SoftBank's next vision fund is considering investing in Memphis Meats, according mm. to a recent Bloomberg article. Mm. Nissan. Nishin, sorry, Foods Holdings Co., which is the Japanese instant noodle maker known oh. for its super popular cup noodle, has announced that it succeeded in creating a cultured diced steak mm. uh, made from cow muscle cells. And then your seed funding from last year, I believe 2018, mm. was led by Realtek Fund and featured many notable investors, including a Japanese government investment fund. Mm and from the CEO of Sony Computer Science Laboratories. So it's interesting here. Does How does having these major corporate and government forces entering and supporting the space impact the industry, your work, and the country? Mm. So um, at least the Japanese government has been so far been quite uh, supportive. Mm. And the reason is because Japan has got this uh, like agenda of food security. Um, I think it's the same with like China, Singapore, and Israel, whereas it's not really the case in like America and U.S. Uh, America or Europe. Big uh, big companies they are still like deciding what to do with the technology. So um, we haven't really felt the benefit of their presence, but I'm sure they, I'm sure that it's going to come in. Do you feel happy about this? Uh, yeah. You do. Okay. Yeah. Even though you're doing DIY over here, you feel like it's good to have these larger forces getting behind the technology. Mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering that. Now, f you have a really, we talked a little bit about your original Mars colonization interests. Mm. You have another pretty big long-term goal. You want to see cultured meat products one day being made and consumed in outer space. Can you share with our listeners a little bit more about this dream of yours? And are you going to go to space and make it yourself? Well, probably that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to go to space or do you just want to see it being made in space or both? What What's well, your both, vision? Both. Yeah. But I think if it's uh, if if it's actually ma made in, uh, if I'm actually go going and making, doing it myself, that automatically completes the first one as well. <laughs> and why? Why does it, why outer space? Uh, well, to be honest, it doesn't have to be outer space. It could be a parallel universe. A parallel <laughs> universe. Yeah. But do you just want to, is it that you just want to do it somewhere different? Change up the scenery or uh, what? Some, see some new worlds. <laughs> you want to see some new <laughs> worlds? And why <laughs> do you have to, why do you have to make cultured meat there though? Why couldn't you just wander around? Uh, well, cultured meat is just one of the uh, pieces of the stuff I want to see. Oh. Because I, there's still like mass drivers and inter, in, like, interplanetary spaceships and colonization ships and all those things lined up. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. It's part of a package. Yeah, a future it's part package. of the package. Oh, it's part yeah. of the package. Well, if anyone's going to get there, I think it's going to be you. Where can people go and learn more about shojin meat and inter, uh, sorry, integriculture? 
we'll start with the website. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just want to thank you. I know you are so busy at this conference. You came in all the way from Japan. And so I'm so grateful、oh. for you for taking the time to、mm. share your amazing story on the podcast. So I'm with Yuki Hanyu signing off at the Cultured Meat Symposium 2019. And、um, I, I know you will enjoy this episode. Thank you again. Yeah, thank Arigatou you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this episode of After Animals. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or tell one friend about our show. The more people we have listening, the faster we can spread the word. Thank you. The After Animals podcast's mission is to activate a kinder, more compassionate world through innovation. After Animals is hosted by me, Yulara Nakagawa. And me, Sharanya Krishna Prasad. For, For the, the animals. animals.